turned out to be completely unreliable asshole. Hello, Tim. Oh, hi, Ryan. Hey, good morning. How are you? Great. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. And welcome, everyone, to episode 28 Mm. of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where Tim Aslan and myself, Ryan McDuffie, are going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about, and we do talk about on this show, uh, a film, a horror film, a horror (laughs) film. film. A whore flim. Uh, you know, in, in film papers in college, like the biggest typo or the my most oft typo was flim. I wrote so many flim papers. Wow. Yeah. And I, I turned in so many papers that said flim. So now I'm saying it too. But Tim and I talk about a flim, a whore flim that uh, we want to see or that you want us to talk about. And what do we talk about there in Tim? Well, first we talk about, you know, what the movie was about. And then we talk about what worked for us and then what didn't work for us and then just you know some fun things of note yeah exactly those are our sections yep so stay tuned (laughs) (laughs) and now this there was nothing there There was nothing okay (laughs) right we don't have a word from our sponsors and i kind of hope (laughs) i kind of hope we don't ever because i don't like that because ryan hates money I hate, I hate sponsor. I hate, I hate stopping this. <laughs> oh, dude, there is a podcast that I listen to. Actually, there's two in particular that, that just, they just insert the, the ad like midstream mm. and it, uh, it really is annoying. So for me, it's more uncomfortable to hear like even these two people I like or this person I like all of a sudden switching modes to talk about a mattress or like a video game (laughs) subscription service. Yeah. Like they do it in a way that just feels it feels like it's taking advantage of what I love about them. Their themness. I just don't like it. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's just I just think ad copy sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, I've never heard that term. Ad copy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just like the term for the actual writing of the ad. It worked back when ads were, when the shows were as disingenuous as the ads themselves. (laughs) So here on the radio hour, blah, 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 blah. And now a word from us, you know. Or like during a game show. Yeah. Um, but we are going to, where are we? There were our ads. (laughs) That was an ad talking about how we don't have ads. Yep. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about buy our stuff, a film, a film from 1995. That's right. It has conflicting dates, 97, 95, Uh. but 95 is when it premiered at a festival. It was released two years later. Oh, okay. So I was in high school. So should we? I want to get into it because because let's. What else are we here to do? I don't know. So should we get into it? Gaze at each other. Well, let's do that <laughs> while we get into it. While people hear, yeah, let's, let's let people listen to us gazing at each other. Oh and yeah. Then let's play the trailer. Okay. For this film, get ready, which is called <laughs> Evil Ed, not Evil Dead, Evil Ed. This is Edward. He's a nice guy. I love you too. I'm Sam Campbell. Welcome to the team. Have a seat. So, this is the Splatter and Gore department. Now he's to cut down on the violence in Splatter movies. I'm doing it for a good cause. The violence gets to him. 
he starts to hallucinate. He gets touchy. Get the hell out of here! And he gets paranoid. Come on! Race me to hell! And the good guy turns evil. This is dying time. When his mind blows, anything goes. There it is. Yep. There it is. And uh, where's our summary? You know what we're missing from that trailer is connecting the dubbing with the mouse. Yeah. Oh, so so if you if you can also and haven't watched the movie, <laughs> definitely watch the trailer. Yeah. Um okay, so this movie, here we go. Ready? Summary. <clears throat> Evil Ed is a quaint tale of a lowly editor who is given a job editing out the two graphic uh, scenes from horror films in Sweden. So he's abiding by the censorship board's rules. Scenes that are too graphic. There's right. more than two. Correct. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so he takes this job and he gets put up in a... Um, a chalet. A chalet. Yeah. Yeah, it is a chalet. <laughs> he gets put up in a chalet a by the, the producer. chalet that's in America. Um, for the for these, for these a series of films called Loose Limbs. And um, the the constant barrage of, of editing and going over and over and over um, these graphic scenes um, plays on his mind to the point of driving him insane. Insane to the point of... Uh, hallucinating and harming others. Yep. Great. The end. Yep. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, how would you rate it? Uh, you know, I, I this is it's not for me. Like I, this is not my thing. But I, I get why people like this. I think a lot of people, there's like two eras of your life when you like this movie potentially it's like when you're a teenager you think this is hilarious and awesome and when you're like 40 and up and you've watched a lot of horror films you need some sort of like satirical levity maybe you want to revisit yeah that era in your life too right but for me personally like it's not it's just not my thing so I think it has value and it's funny. So for me, it's a stream. I had to settle on avoid it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> because so you say like this kind of film, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. This for me is a step removed from those kinds of films. Interesting. If I think, you know, for me, this like bad taste, dead alive, that's those are going to be the main reference points mm-hmm. for this film. Those two early Peter Jackson films. Like I would just when I've if if I ever do have a hankering to watch those films again, like it'd be nice to sort of be able to include this in that lineup. But I think this is a really interesting case of a film that's like because it's an homage, it's a step removed in mm. itself in being its own success. Um. Damn. So I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> so if Shit. I, 
So, so basically, like, even for me or for you, you know, as far as recommending it, I'd say just avoid it because, and if you also, if you're someone who doesn't like, like, the, these types of films or meaning the actual ones that it's homaging, like, then you definitely won't like this. Oh, and if, yeah. if you're someone like me who those films, like, I've felt sort of like I have moved past them. I don't really feel the urge to mm-hmm. revisit them too often. I This kind of made me want to watch them again, just get to kind of see it yeah. be genuine again. Yeah. Watch Bad Taste. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's why That's why we'll get into it more. But I, hmm. But that's why I say avoid it in a nutshell. And that's why, actually, why I think this is going to be interesting to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yes, let's go right into what worked because I think I can kind of pick apart why it's a stream. Great. Okay. And then the one last little thing for avoid, because I'm trying to give an in summary Mm, review. mm -hmm. You know, this is a, this is an excuse to do that. That was what we rated it. (laughs) It could have been a really fun 30 minute short and still could. You could edit it into that. Yep. That exists in here and that the, uh, the homage would, uh, it wouldn't get steeped in its own homage if it sort of had mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. pacing and relentlessness to it. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Well, Fuck. Gr- <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? Well, let's talk about what worked for it after I say avoided it. Okay, 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 okay. So what I've found is that the majority of what worked for me in this is the the gratuitous sort of gags, the kills, the injuries, um, the actual horror, quote-unquote horror sort of like effect stuff. And so... What you've just said, I'm like, fuck, you're just, you're right. You're basically <laughs> right. Because I'm not saying what were almost any of the things that worked for me. None of them are really like the movie worked for me. They're all just like little individual things. So, um, I mean, I could throw out some of those. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, in reverse chronological order, his death was incredible it, at the end. That to me is the, the highlight. Yeah. His... <laughs> This uh, the the joke of over gratuity of having his hand Wait, blown over off. gratuity is that a <laughs> right like it's the in other words the gratuity the 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 joke is the gratuitousness yeah right and so they're taking that as far like as far as they feel like they can having his hand blown off is awesome. And then him grabbing his arm and having the lower, like his elbow blown off. So he's then holding just his forearm is so fucking hilariously awesome. And that was a good example of, (laughs) of like, yeah, I I do have a few just sort of select moments of what I thought were done well in this film as far as, yeah. Like, I think that it, there is something to what you said, over-gratuitous. It's yeah. not just unnecessary. You're it's taking happy. it that one step further yeah. into just total absurdity. I fucking love that. Mm-hmm. And then I realize I'm like, fuck, most of the stuff I like is like any dismemberment. Like the like when the there's Loose Limbs 5 or 6 or whichever one he's editing and we get the cutaway 
and it's a woman on a um, gurney or whatever, and and the doctor, I don't know if he had a name, is he's like gonna do a surgery on her leg, and he injects her with you know painkiller or whatever, and then he just lops off her ankle, mm-hmm. and I just and he's holding the rubber foot. Like, I just, there's something so funny and stupid about that that I really love. Yeah. And just as standalone isolated moments, yeah. the immaturity is just kind of yes. lowbrow like, satisfying. It, I think it's, you know, it's like we said, it's it's tickling that sort of 15-year-old thing of when you go, you know, like when you want to make a haunted house for Halloween, you just want gags right you want blood and you want limbs and eyeballs and yeah just shit that's funny you aren't concerned about the bigger picture yeah no and so all of those little things in isolation i was tickled by Mm -hmm. but yeah the movie it's well i have a few more (laughs) moments that worked that i think it has stuff yeah um i like well, hmm. I was just trying I like to steer Ed. you away from that. I know. I, I felt myself going there. <laughs> I like Ed most of the time. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I love the gremlin in the fridge. Um, God. Do you want me? Okay. Yeah, can I throw can, me some? Beers. Can I jump off of that? Should I talk about the Ed or more select moments? Let's do Ed. Okay. So yeah, Ed's performance, like, and his casting, I thought was pretty great, especially when it took the turn. It wasn't. That was an interesting thing. It wasn't like a gradual descent into insanity. Just at a certain point in the film, he was all out manic, uh, homicidal. You yeah. know. And seeing seeing this actor, you know, who did such a good job being the sort of mild manner, meek film technician, mm-hmm. all of a sudden explode to his unkempt hair right. sticking out. Um, <laughs> yeah, his 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 um, completely um, unbridled, you know, right. unrestrained. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought he was just really fun casting, seeing, doing that. Yes. Especially like with uh, where we got sort of his point of view of like what he was seeing. There was something really, I thought, fun and satisfying of like, mm. oh, he's seeing this person as a deadite or demon or whatever. Sure, sure. And then just his reaction to that is just, ah! <laughs> you know. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, God, this, it really does, this whole movie kind of sits on a very fine line for me of like, almost... Well, he became like a superhuman too. That's that, right. Which That's was right. Just, which was just <laughs> I fun love to that. see him he, do. Like when he's um, when he's finally been put into the mental hospital or whatever, and, right. and he comes out of the anesthesia or whatever, and he's just like single handedly throwing people around the room. <laughs> it's awesome, but it also, I think, the conceit is that much of that is sort of in his head. Yeah, and it's. You know, at, it, it, yes, he is he is fighting them, but I think that like the they do this thing where 
they kind of flip back and forth between his POV and seeing that the nurse is got like deadite face and then her actual face to, to show that he is actually strangling a person. Mm-hmm. But like then he throws her across the room. And I think that he's not actually throwing her across the room. It's a little muddy. Oh, as far as what's part of his fantasy yeah, and what's not? But I think he is actually hurting her. Yeah. Because he definitely gets up and grabs I, the... I, the I, yeah. That um, feels like it's giving the film I, too much I, I, credit. I might, I might be. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but either way, I like the kind of... We don't necessarily at any given moment know like what reality we're seeing yeah i like the franticness of that and the sort of like it does a couple where it like shows okay his fantasy is he's in some sort of underground cave cavern system running away from this right and then we cut to no he's just in the basement right that's kind of what i mean and and so i i actually quite like this device Mm -hmm. um i like the device of we're with the protagonist and we're seeing we're being given information that for all we know is reality. And then something crazy happens and then it cuts to actual reality. Yeah. And that was just in their head. That device is used really, really well in True Lies. If you remember, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger goes True to buy... True Lies. Lies, yeah. He goes to buy a Corvette from... Or a used Corvette from Bill Paxton who is pretending to be an agent and mm-hmm. and trying to sleep with his wife. And there's a moment when they're sitting in the car and Bill Paxton is just being a total douche and Schwarzenegger's like staring at him, you know, angrily. And he smashes Paxton's face, like just bl- like back of and his hand. And then it cuts to Bill then, Paxton laughing. Yes, it is. That is such a good Tim, I cut. rewound that moment so many times <laughs> as a kid. It's brilliant, right? So I love that device and it can be done really fucking well yeah um this does it a bunch (laughs) and sometimes to some success Mm -hmm. um beyond that (sighs) we'll just talk about how in in his fantasy though i liked that it wasn't necessarily him fantasizing his ultimate self it's just that his Mm -hmm. his self in this extreme mode was utterly confident like it's not even a matter of being confident like when he's fighting the robbers and fighting whomever yeah he's just he's become a sort of force he's not intimidated by guns or getting shot yeah dude anything like that he fucking he fucking slam dunks a head in a in a fucking garbage (laughs) bag into the garbage and then fist pumps into the camera that's what's satisfying to me is like (laughs) that kind of um that kind of extreme shift because i feel like yeah. those mild-mannered people like this is who they actually are it's just that they're so Jesus. kind of you know not that he's necessarily <laughs> homicidal but that yeah, he yeah. is just that kind of like uncaring to what people think of him or whatever it's less that he you know people like that i think care about what others think and more just about this world clearly doesn't feel set up for me at my genuine most extreme self yeah, and I think that there's there's something nice to watch about watching a character who is sort of trapped in their own 
confines of whatever, how they view themselves, seeing that character liberate from that is fun. Yeah, especially fighting back against their leader tormentor boss figure. Right, which makes me immediately, and while we were watching, I was thinking of Willard, where I was like, oh, there's a Willard vibe to this. He's sort of a misanthrope, and he's sort of like in his own little burnt, and then he, he gets to kind of liberate himself from that constraint that he has and that's fun yeah <clears throat> so how about more um select moments can i get back to that oh hell yeah for over ed so we started ed's death at the end um so there were two moments that stood out that i thought actually were like promise so there was that one at the end but mm-hmm. other just sort of promise of the premise could only happen in this film moments that felt like oh this these are the description i read of this film this is it and it's doing it well uh was when he's uh, uh, not fantasizing, but hallucinating when he's starting to go crazy. Again, though, there isn't like a clear line, but when it feels yeah. like it's the area that he's starting to go crazy, he's uh, cutting a piece of bread, I think, and oh, he looks yes! at it and he thinks he's cutting an arm or his arm. Yeah. Um, that was good. Okay, we see he's starting yeah. to hallucinate going crazy. And then the other one was the... Um, this was even better because it was more specific to the medium of, of film that he was working with and his specific task of re-editing these scenes. But when he kept rewinding the film over and over yeah. and kept hearing the same quote over and over and then the the like monster character saying the quote appeared in the yeah. room yeah like that was a good okay because he's witnessing this over and over this is gonna make him go crazy in this way and we are getting to see it well and you know i really in that moment was like this this is so fucking true because if you've ever sat in an editing booth and like worked on a cut of something it is it it is like psychosis psychosis like inducing at times because you are listening to the same shit and rewinding it and like <laughs> replaying it and nudging it and doing the shit and you can get caught in a dark dark hole yeah of going over and over and over and over on it for hours. I'm pretty good at making, I switch into total technical mode. I'm good at that. Like, do you, do you suffer though? Cause I've had this happen where like, I'll be doing that for a while. And then I'll, I'll be like, it's time for me to like, take a break, you know, step away from this, like clear my head, whatever. And like you lay down to go to sleep or whatever. And it is still running. That is, <laughs> is fucking insane not necessarily it's fun i think i know when to take breaks to not be delirious and then the sort of delirium i pick up on and act on is usually more in a group editing situation no man i've gotten i've gone down the wrong path because when when you're in a group (laughs) editing it feels to me like you you got to acknowledge it in a way that's sort of we're all acknowledging it but when it's just me i acknowledge it by saying this is just technical. Like I, and I just sure. put that out aside. The fact oh, that it's the same line over and over and over. Yeah. And I kind of almost laugh at it. It gets stuck in my, sometimes it gets stuck in my head. Like, like a bad song would where you cannot let it go. Yeah. Oh, it's brutal. So I felt, I mean, I really felt like that was the realest moment of this whole movie. <laughs> I was like, yeah, uh, that will make you go crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, so that was good. Unique to this film. Yeah. Um, not unique to this film, but a gag I really like at the way beginning, the older woman carrying the film cans, like in slow motion. Was it a woman? I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I didn't even know. I just thought it was a dude. 
I'm pretty you know, sensitive. <laughs> I'm pretty sensitive about like ageist jokes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there was something about this that was just beyond that to me. It was like this was clearly just actually funny, just for you don't want to pick it apart reasons too much. Yeah, and uh, it, <clears throat> it uh, well, I was hoping for more moments like that in the movie, but <laughs> it was funny. Well, the attempt, the the attempt that this movie is making, I, like, I kind of give it, like, a thumbs up for trying It was a background thing. gag. That, right. But there was, like, never, that really wasn't there in any other no. area of, of that sort of level of detail happening at you that makes it almost feel yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. a full movie. Yeah. I guess, yeah, there's a couple other, like, swings and and almost hits with that, with, like, when he goes to the producers for the first time and there's all these women in, like, tight dress like mini skirt dresses wandering around and at one point the producer like one of those women is sort of like trying to massage him whatever and he like shoes her away oh yeah i did you know there's there's little kind of things in there here and there that are i think are kind of just like chuckle worthy those are the ones that you condense that you include that you keep in when you do the 30 minute yeah you know for sure um, I, uh, this wasn't so much a moment, but an, a thing I liked in it was, um, kept referring to their splatter and gore department. Just the idea of this like mini film studio that has like the right. splatter and gore department on the third floor, <laughs> cranking out these splatter and gore films. Yep. Uh, that was kind of funny amusing. Yep. Um, yeah, the creature design. Cool. It's always fun to see a sort of. You love a you love a Muppet. I love a little creature Muppet thing. <laughs> exactly. Even if we only ever see it in the, the fridge. But yeah. it's cool. It's like they you know, when you make a physical thing, or I guess when you make a digital thing too, you have to commit to a design style. Definitely. And just so seeing a that I always get a kick out of. Well there was also, you know, <sighs> even in our like saying what worked, I feel like we're we're edging towards undercutting all of that (laughs) yep but there are there are legitimate like there is so how do i explain this there's a there's a few shots and moments in this movie where i was like that's a really good shot and it's well constructed and the lighting is really nice particularly there's the moment when i think it's a full-on dream when he is in this sort of cement room with with the demon that tells him his task saying you know you need to you need to cleanse these people or however however it puts it. you know you know mm-hmm. which demon i'm talking about it's sort of got a like head wrapped thing and, oh yeah yeah um long fingernails that whole thing there's some really cool shots and and the fact that you could you could see the film grain in this mm-hmm. 16 millimeter blown up to 35 it did yeah. give it that look of the films it was homaging and that without undercutting it too much like that scene in particular i was like dude this movie actually is really close to looking really good but it's it's its own self-referentialness and its own sort of like we're trying to be funny was undercutting that shot construction even how it was shot you're right Hmm. so it's like i i was like what am what do i like what what the big question to me is like if you're going to do this what can enhance it in a way that is 
retaining sort of the homage thing and the satire, but not undercutting itself in doing so, which is a weird question to pose. I think we should get into that once we're talking about... Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to get into it. Like, Uh, I don't know the answer, in other words. (laughs) Well, we're still on what worked. That's all I'm saying. Um, Yeah. The another casting I liked was the the studio head guy. Oh, just a kind of like lumbering, kind of interesting faced, ponytailed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought one of the better examples <laughs> of the um, the Swedes view of Americans, like this was <laughs> this was one that was That's actually a, yeah. it was actually amusing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus kind of just weird and off putting. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then it was funny because watching it, you know, it there's so many like pull quotes from yeah. actual oh, yeah. other films. Yeah. But but then throughout that there were all there were other handful ones. I forget the what I can't I can't remember them right now or at all. <laughs> but ones that were sent felt more like genuine this is the actual movie having its own sort of uh Uh line moments so i'm like oh cool i'm enjoying these i liked these but then i realized oh wait these are probably just quotes i don't recognize from other films (laughs) so so the the quotes that i either were original or i didn't recognize worked for me (laughs) any non-original thing is what worked for you yeah 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 cool possibly original Um, I honestly don't have a whole lot more. I don't have anything else. Um, let me see if I can pull something out of thin air. Uh, mm, nope. All right. Let's, <laughs> what did not work for us? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> So now to go back to what you yeah. were starting to bring up, when homage, as I put it, drowns in itself. In it, oh, so you actually have that. No, that's cool. It's some examples of that. There were posters on the wall of like oh Evil God. Dead 2, The Fly, Critters. films like that. Critters. Yeah. And it and your reaction was my reaction where it is actually, to, <laughs> and also the quotes. I'll loop the quotes yeah. into these. Yeah, like yeah, where yeah. someone picks up a gun and goes, groovy. Yeah, and yes. Oh, fuck, dude. I mean, it just made me... I I was like, fuck you. It's like, what are you trying to just... And it... The effect of that was not only off-putting, but then just made me wish I was watching those other films. Right. And it was it wasn't like when you see what is it, Evil Dead and Nightmare on Elm Street, they kind of have that back and forth of each other's posters in their films. But you would you see, you're like trying to remember and because they're in such a way where they're torn up, they're kind of actually Holy in shit. the background. Yeah. You know, it's not like they just make a point to like make them obvious in every single shot. Well, and that's and this is sort of what I I think I'm also saying in in like the heavy handedness, I guess, of the homage is like I think that they think they're being funny. Yeah. Right. And it's like at a certain point, you should actually check yourself or have somebody else check right. your work and be like, dude, that's. That's you jerking yourself off. Yeah, it's like, you know, like, stop it. they can check themselves. Is this making you laugh? 
that this Evil Dead 2 poster is up. And no. it's up in four different right. fucking rooms. Also, it I'm was just, just like, stop this, moving the poster The world around. of the film, why would they have up all these films that they clearly didn't produce? Like, they should have... <laughs> it could have been a really good excuse to do kind of the, um, the, like, the funny people thing of all these fake You're films. Right. It's not a teenager's bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking movie studio. Right. And so, like... That joke, that's that type of humor of like, ha ha ha, look how clever we are, does not appeal to me. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that is probably the biggest. Well, to, bleh, to for me to stay on like an example of or what that makes me think of those posters on the walls um, or, or what could have been done. Those posters on the wall being films that were other films, this splatter and gore department produced. Mm-hmm. Like that was a big, that wasn't my other sort of major thing was the disparity between what he's hallucinating and going through and the films themselves. Like all we, we have seven loose limbs films. Right. And I thought they cared more about the joke of that. There are seven loose limbs films rather than what would have worked better is if they had a variety of types of films that were that he was being forced to work on because like he sees right. a deadite he sees a creature in the refrigerator he right. sees a demon but never is he working on films yes. like that well and and like a, another kind of version of that that is i think similar to what you're saying or a, a way to at least broaden the the complexity of what you're saying <clears throat> like that gag um Tropic Thunder does mm-hmm. where it's like you have the main the Ben Stiller character he's been in a series of movies um that kind of made him famous but they they show clips from each one he's done like you know I forget what the name of the movie parody thing is but he's done 1 through 15 and they show sort of the trailer for that repeatedly like the different versions of it and each one is parodying itself so you get you get a differentiation where it's like one of them is just in, you know, today. And then one is like future and one is space and one is fire and one is ice. And so like there's there's a, pro- a progression on the joke. This has like none of the loose limbs are progressing or like showing us something different of like they're it's, just right. rehashing just, the exact same thing. And you were it's giving like, an example mm. of making fun of parody itself. That's right. what right. Tropic and Thunder was So doing. they're not even doing that with it, which is sort of, it's just limited in its sort yeah. of execution. Well, it had those moments too where it wasn't just the quotes, it wasn't just the posters, but like the the evil dead vision. It's like, okay, we see they successfully pulled off the wall, you know, yep. the camera point of view, zooming, dead eye, evil dead vision, mm-hmm. demon force vision. Um but it's like that was again. It was never in a film that we watched. So if he was editing an Evil Dead spoof, right, and then that happened, uh, we would get that sort of crossover. But yeah. now it it just sort of induces that same kind of eye rolling. I'm over it reaction for me. Yeah, and I mean even another thing. What I th- I thought you might have said just now is with the posters. I guess this is sort of the same point, just a different way to execute it. Like, I would have been cool with the posters being parodies of the famous movies. So, you know, if it's Critters, 
we, that's an iconic poster. Like we we recognize have it be that creatures. Right? Yeah, have it be shitters. Who, whatever. Yeah. It's just like make a joke out of that to show that these are the type of films that they're doing. That they are this sort of, you know, bullshit rehash. <laughs> There's, I mean, there this exists, right? There's like Transformers and and uh, Transmorphers, Transmorphers, right? Like that company exists yeah. that makes those, and it's it's a kind of just a bullshit dodge for them to try and fool a grandma into renting a thing for their son or buying it for the, you know what I mean? It's like whatever that device is, but that exists. So like play on that. Yeah. But they don't even, they don't like, they don't go the sort of, I think you, there's, there's uh what's it called? There, there's wheat to be tilled or whatever. <laughs> That's probably not the expression. <laughs> I get it though. But you know what I mean? There's, there's more that you can do with this and they, they kind of, I don't know where they fall short. It's like it, you're exactly right in saying that you could condense this whole thing down mm-hmm. because they don't go into this other, they don't expand enough into something that has some meat on it. It's not, it never becomes a thing in itself. Yeah. Which also just made me, yeah, or I don't know. I'll get this in things of note. But um, yeah, you bringing up that, you know, again, it'd be better as a shorter film. I just kind of want to isolate, it, isolate that to the pacing itself. Yeah. Like the, I want to use this as a comparison to films. It is homaging or spoofing or whatever, like the, the brain dead, dead alive mm-hmm. and um, bad taste. Not only is it, you know, those films sort of feel like they have the singular vision behind it or on display, but there's an energy behind it that comes from trying to um, enact that vision, from trying to reach that vision that gives it like, keep using the word, relentlessness, pacing, where it's like either we are holding out for moments in a fun kind of suspense that we know is going to happen. And in the meantime, there's stuff happening that's actually making the filmmakers laugh versus just mm. being a recycled joke. Um, and also it's sort of has this feeling like once then things are happening, it's like an onslaught of just of the mayhem of the payoff of the gags or a gag being a gag because it's like something we hadn't necessarily seen. Like, you know, the in, in, in um bad taste, you know, going, going through the bottom of the alien with the chainsaw coming out the other side. <laughs> I'm born again, you know, or, uh, all the stuff like that. Blowing up. Was it the sheep with the rocket launcher? Like <laughs> stuff like that hadn't been done necessarily, right. you know? Um, but this film, it's yeah. Okay. Okay. I was trying to, to bring this all back on the pacing itself. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt like we were just kind of, there wasn't enough. Not only was there none, not that all that stuff going on, but the um, having no clear, we kind of already mentioned this, having no clear progression of his mm-hmm. going in, insane or or well, like having no idea what he's reaching for. So he just had to finish these films. Well, that was yes. It? So I think that's to a bigger point of of mine in that if you actually said like, who's the protagonist? Who are we rooting for? Who do we care about? And what's the problem that we want to see be dealt with. Yeah. This movie is like very thin on Make all it of like those. He has the wife that he loves. So what if he's going to get fired if he doesn't finish these films in time? Right. Or, or is like, or is the studio guy, like what's his reasoning for needing to finish them so quickly? Like, right. I don't know. So what's really, what's really happening is we just don't 
care. Yeah. Right? Like, we aren't given enough to get on board with whatever the problem or whatever's going on. And so it, you know, you see this actually, this is sort of indicative of writing not really knowing where they're going in that uh, the, the, I mean, the most annoying fucking character, Nick, the like gum chewing, hat wearing, ponytail. Typical American. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) That guy ends up essentially becoming the hero, but not until the third act. And so like, that's a, to me, that's a problem. Like he's the most shitty character too. Like in those, I'm trying to think like, okay, well, Maybe there wasn't anything super clear, you know, in Bad Taste at Alive. But I feel like but there. But what is going on is that will this character make it to the end? Will they defeat the bad guy? Will they yeah. survive? Yeah. No, I think that alone, the will they survive is what carries in particular Dead Alive. Like, right. So that's enough if you set that up because we I mean, look, it's kind of what were we watching the other day where we were like, holy shit, um, I think it was. Oh, it was Last House on the Left, where it's like, and I was thinking about this. We need to, as the audience, I think in horror, one of the big things that we need is to experience with a character the the problem or or at least be able to get on board with the problem so that we can we can ex- we can root for them or we can we can hope for an outcome right. and you can fuck around with what the outcome is. You can play with that. You can defy it. You can do all so sorts of shit. For this one, it could have just been, he wants to return to his regular job versus having to edit these sure. films. Sure. I mean, yeah. It, he wants to return to the normal, you know? Right. And he can't do it, but like, we're never, he's, we never feel like he is in his own conflict. Yeah, it's because since, again, there's not a clear progression, we have no grasp or sense of, is this a situation can he es- that he can escape? Right, right. It's just sort of like, okay, I guess he's evil now and there's no going back. Evil Dead does this, where, you know, Ash turns into a deadite. Evil Dead 2, yeah. Right, Evil Dead 2. And we're like, holy shit. So we then get on board with the fact that, like, oh, he he's... He's a bad guy now, and we've introduced the other characters in the cabin enough to root for them to get away from him. Yeah. But we are still rooting for Ash on some level, and then they use a device that they introduce in the beginning, which is to have the necklace of his girlfriend show up. Like, he sees it, and he's like, fuck, and then he has an internal existential fucking battle (laughs) over getting the the deadite or the demon out of him and he wins and we go fuck yes he beat it love prevails right that's very simple and does not exist in evil ed mm-hmm. and you could have i mean you have the whole interaction right. with his wife and his daughter i thought like oh great the daughter's gonna be the thing that like even momentarily brings him out of this insanity and like gets him back to normal <laughs> god bless you thank you and then it does like they just this is my point they surface wise they just don't even they don't even scratch Mm-mm. that at all like You don't have to go far down that path. You could have it just be a moment. And by having the moment, we would get on board with it. We'd be like, oh, he almost he's almost 
coming out of the the insanity and then it's more tragic if he doesn't right and then by making it tragic even a little bit we care right even a little bit because even at the earlier moments of him getting going crazy or whatever it is it's not like he's ever struggling to have it not happen it's not like he's like i can't edit these films anymore and then the guy says oh i'm making the stakes even worse so you have to that's right that scene is weird too when he's like i can't work for you anymore oh right right right. and then the guy is like your problems are not my problems get back to work or you're fired it's like okay yeah right (laughs) i'd be like i'm i'm okay bye yeah it's not he should like already be he should have his own internal kind of like oh there's already this piece of me that's possessed so maybe the only way i can get rid of it is to, i don't know sure. i don't know or something if, to if, go off of like you're saying if somebody if if you're put in the situation where like make the stakes worthwhile mm-hmm. if if you're if you're doing a thing that your boss says you have to do and you say i can't fucking do it anymore then if if there's no reason for you not to just walk away there's no movie. He never showed he was desperate for money. Exactly. Or... So give him a reason to not be able to just walk away. It's like any movie where your your character is in a marriage that sucks and there isn't something preventing them from just being like, yeah, this sucks. Um, I want a divorce. Right. Like if you can solve it by sending a text message, <laughs> that's. That's a problem. Or we empathize with them because we are we we their their inner struggle is made known. That's exactly right. Like if there is one, we don't. Th- what is the inner struggle of of Ed's, you know, story? <laughs> you know, I don't think they thought of it in these terms. <laughs> right, and I think there is a reason that they didn't think about it, and I think there's a reason for them not doing all of the things we're talking about. Yeah. So we'll get to it. Um, I just hated that SWAT team and the captain. <laughs> They're yeah. just so lame. It was like that was that felt like the moment where it was like, okay, I could see how this ties to maybe like, I forget if there was like a police or detective character in like one of these films it's referencing. Yet at the same time, it Probably. was kind of like trying to be its own. Okay, here's our here's our funny SWAT team, but it's just like with the Uzis. Yeah. Just terrible. Do SWAT teams have Uzis? I don't know. It's Come on. Sweden. Maybe in Sweden. But it was like, <laughs> maybe that was an example of just the casting falling flat too. Like who I, the SWAT mm. team members were in the, the head SWAT time. It's like, give them a cigar and then it's going to be funny. Maybe even though it's, I can only imagine them just like, like forcing themselves to laugh and going crazy making this, you know, Ugh. like there's nothing amusing about it. I just it was rolled just, my eyes yeah. so hard. <laughs> the eye roll inducing again. It really is. It's a, it is a difficult and fine line to get parody slapstick right. And generally speaking, I'm not a big fan of slapstick. UHF does it. And I can, you know, UHF It's one of my favorite. I figured you would. <laughs> It does it, and it gets it right. It's because it does absurdity well. Right. And it's it's got a good level of self-referential. Like, the cutaways of commercials work for that. 
And there's a variety of them, mm-hmm. right? There's Conan the Librarian, and there's, you know... Raul's Wild Kingdom, and Spatula City, Spatula City, Spatula right. City. So all of those work to do a very specific thing in that movie, which is to give us a sense of where our lead character's brain is at. Mm-hmm. You could have done that with this movie. You could have... It, 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 I guess they're kind of trying to do that, but the integration, where they're missing is the integration of the loose limbs stuff that he's editing. It's exactly what you said. And his visions are not connected. And UHS is, UHF is a perfect example of connecting those two things. Right. He should, he sh- this should have solely been about if they had to go with the loose limbs angle only, then it should have been like he became a hacker slasher specifically. But he becomes like he's fighting he's demons all the things. and shooting Uzis, and you're right. just kind of like, "What?" Right. <laughs> yeah. Bummer. Um, what else you got? <laughs> you already mentioned it. And I'm so glad you mentioned it. But the uh, the Nick character, Ugh. it's just that kind of the Swedish view of Americans, I guess. I guess. But yeah. just like God, I want to vomit just saying the words chewing gum. Like I, it was so, just so gross. <sighs> And just, you're right, like his hat turned backwards and like all slouched and stuff. It was just like, is this guy? It's not well, funny that he's this. I don't know. You know what I thought during this movie? <laughs> what? My, <laughs> I, other than Ed, and yeah, other than Ed, every other actor in this feels like the the shittiest extra who thinks they're a good actor. It felt like they were all their friends or acquaintances, you know? Right. And they, they are, they think that acting is quote on, is like with quotes around it. This is acting. Yeah. And it's like, I I can't even, I don't know how you vocally demonstrate this, but I'm an actor. Hey, look at me doing stuff. Cause you know, I think at one point I said, there's so much eyebrow acting going on. Right. right, like everything's like, hey, I'm acting. <laughs> Check it out, I'm an actor. That shit, I fucking hate. You know, yeah. And I think they think that they are that they are acting. That that's like they're doing it right, and that infuriates. I me. thought that <laughs> maybe sometimes that can become like you are then just kind of endeared to the person from getting some sort of genuine non-performance. It's just them on display. But that's not going to happen when you have egregious dubbing. Oh my God, right. So, yeah, that's, I mean, there's. it's hurting itself. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, if, if you actually <laughs> kind of heard the particularness of this character's Nick's delivery, you know, then maybe it would kind of be like, okay, I'm at least being amused somehow. Yeah. But... Again, it's just like felt so it was just indicative of their out of touchness, you know, the yeah. filmmakers just that like, I don't know, just to, yeah, just to have that that well, it's a haphazardness that it feels like when you sort of dub in fake American accents or whatever it is. Well, there uh, again, there is a reason for all of this, mm-hmm. like a filmmaker specific choice reason for all of this. I don't know if we should get into I don't know. Of notes, or, not yet, or, but um, okay. but like in, it's in there in bad taste. That whole film was dubbed, but it's they they retain their New Zealand accents and it takes place in New Zealand. I would have loved for because they're they're speaking English. Think how much it could have brought to this film if it was like Sweden set. I would, I would have loved 
this much more. Right. Or and if they were also speaking Swedish. Yeah. I mean, I would be fine with because it is parody. I would have been fine with the actors in with a Swedish accent. Yeah. Speaking English and trying to, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I would have been fine with that. Yeah. But the overdub. It's rough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm I'm good to move. I mean, yeah. You want to do things of note? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Things of note. <laughs> this should be interesting. Uh, there was something that sounds like you were on the cusp of yes. wanting to say. Let's just start there. So the, there's the filmmakers were the the if you want to call it this the point of this movie it was commentary on the absurdity of the censorship in horror films in Sweden. Specifically, they made this to be like middle finger censorship board of Sweden. You're ridiculous, and so we're gonna make. We're going to make a ridiculous movie pointing at all of that. Um, And so that's one aspect. So they have this purposeful sort of angle on why they're making this. Um, And then in on layered on top of that, they're they're making choices to do homage. And so the dubbing was a choice to be like, look at how bad when we get a a horror film from the states or from wherever else not only does the censorship board slash it up like the example being the when he's at like his job is a real job and they're then they're pointing at that ed's job so the the edit that he makes the first time he sits down where which i actually quite like this first loose limb scene that he edits oh yeah it's pretty funny um, where it's the girl in the in the red um, lingerie with sunglasses on. Oh right! And you know, of course, her boobs come out, and then the the doctor killer creep ball is like drooling and everything, and he like gets her up against the wall, and then he just starts hacking her arm off. <laughs> then Ed edits that to just be her showing up, cuts everything in between that all the way to the point where the doctor is covered in blood so you have no context of why he's even covered in blood that allegedly from what i've read is literally how the censor censorship board would force the edits to be for horror films so they're they're making fun of that that's yeah. the like kind of the point of this movie and the overdub is an extension of that because they would get these foreign films with these horrendous overdubs, I guess into Swedish Mm -hmm. or maybe it's, yeah, I think that's right. So there it's, it's to, to make a point. Does it serve the movie? Eh. I mean, I guess as much as any of the other things serve it, like homaging the evil dead or like quoting other movies, I guess. Yeah. But like ultimately for for my money, it hurt it. Yeah. Um so battle ba- uh, bad alive. Bad taste, dead alive. I kind of brought this up earlier, but I just thought it was interesting to try to unpack more. Like those films and filmmakers, they clearly like have their influences, you know, 
Peter Jackson has his filmmaking heroes, but it's like those are he's not trying to make his own King Kong movie, you know, or he did. He literally oh my did. God. <laughs> <laughs> but but he's he's you he's not he's he's trying to do his own thing with bad taste, you know? It's like that's his first film that took him, you know, however many years to make, shot on weekends, mm-hmm. you know, got the New Zealand Film Commission money. Um, I don't know. It's just like there's there's a um, there's they're they're genuine versus this film Evil Ed felt disingenuous, and I'm just trying to like think and break apart all the reasons like how why that is. I I think a lot of it is potentially a little bit of lost in translation and also that they had this this broader goal. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that goal is fine, but it can't be the sort of driving force of the movie. Like, you still need to make a good movie. So that, that actually helps a lot because you said driving force. It felt like all those films feel, you feel a driving force of Hell energy. Yeah which was never there. Which is about the characters and the story. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is sort of just putting that aside to kind of just episodically pay homage to things. Which, right. You're, yeah. And how you said, like, it's a larger goal. Like, I think that, um, like, a larger goal has to manifest on small or it has to manifest in every single, like, inch of, of the film itself. Right, right. It can't. It has to be in the blood and of the film. Yeah, it, it's like a good theme. You're you're not. You should not be bashing us over the head. It should just sort of exist within the essence of the story. Yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah, and it's also just by them. This film feels like it's trying to recreate specific things, which is cheap as fuck, dude. Right. It's like it's like the lowest form of creativity. And then, um, I wondered too if if part of what prevented them from um you know from staying on that kind of surface level big picture not infusing in every aspect of the film is sort of when it the case of multiple filmmakers like making that oh yeah because it's like you do have a single director name on it but Mm -hmm. sort of looking at the producer and the writers and the opening credit that says like a film by you get the sense that this was more collaboration than it wasn't in sort of the higher doesn't it doesn't it 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 says a film by like five people yeah exactly but i mean on the official credits it's like only director but i think it's more accurate yeah what it said at the beginning yeah so yeah, I thought of another example God, for that's, yeah, when yeah. that's not sometimes that can work where it's such a cluster F that you get a a Super Mario Brothers movie that had changing I, I, hands. I, and I directors. refuse to have this conversation and with g- you. Super Mario Brothers is trash. Nope. Jump boots are dumb. Nope. <laughs> it's it's so you you get to that's a good example of a movie Super Mario Brothers the movie that rest creates, in peace Bob Haskins Bob Haskins <laughs> I know Jesus. I'm never getting the sequel I'm bummed but it like that movie becomes such a I use this word a lot too but indelible it's like how do you even come up with it it's like it's beyond it gets so specific because it's beyond a singular vision you know you have everyone trying to reach for this thing but this was an example. <laughs> Of when that doesn't work. And another example of when it doesn't work for me in modern filmmaking, I forget their names, but um, there's the film Turbo Kid and then the new film on Shudder, Summer of 84. 
that yeah. it's a collaboration of three filmmakers who've made these two films. Both of those films had that sort of same problem where it felt like it never got past what they're homaging and it didn't have mm. that sort of singularness of 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 what it was like running vision. throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't have that. There's an example of when those are hurt for me. Interesting, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen those. I, I know of Turbo Kid. I think I started it and, and turned it off. It's I like think. it's it's a case of like the things that happen in it. You know, again, like the moments are great. It's even some of the performances are great. I think some of great. the design is fun. It's way better. It's I could I watched it and enjoyed it versus okay. this film. This film <laughs> you I did didn't not. enjoy. Um, and even Summer of 84, like it was kind of fun to watch it. But I still didn't think they were good movies in the end. And I don't know. Yeah, it's the other examples of when multiple filmmakers kind of prevent it from mm -hmm. from going uh, below the surface. I mean, you know, it's only speculation, but I can just imagining the fucking chaos of five people being like, no, but this. But yeah, no, I want that. And, you know, just do this. And, and it's, it's like, because oh, right, when you do that, Nightmare. what else can you arrive at except a sort of whatever agreement you arrive at in that case is only going to be way up here. You know, it's only going to be something you can point to clearly. Right, good because you have to justify it verbally to right. somebody else or a group of people. But oh, fuck. Good films, films that work, you they work because you can't explain it verbally in so and many And because ways. you can just be like, just look, I know what I want. Trust me. Yeah. Let me do this. <laughs> yeah. We or can talk about I it later. I think I know what I want. <laughs> this feels right. Why does it yeah. feel right? I don't it know. It doesn't matter. It's my vision. <laughs> Fuck off. Or I don't, again, I don't really think taking ownership of a film like that has made sense. When you're like, Tim, when you make a film, mm -hmm. does it, it doesn't feel like I, Tim, am making this. You're just writing it down. The ideas of whether that shot looks better for you or not, it's not. Yes, it is because of who you are and how your opinions have been formed. Yeah. But the experience of it, it's not like you are, I'm Tim, I'm decide. I don't know, at least for me, it's... Well, I think a lot of the time what happens, and, and for me, I've worked on getting people around me that that kind of implicitly understand what I'm going for. Like my cinematographer, I barely need to even start a sentence and he already has a good sense of where, where he, I want to go with a thing. Mm -hmm. Like he'll even say, you know, for example, at one point, I don't know, I was shooting this single, um, single subject sort of avant-garde thing and we barely communicated. Like we, he, he was just sort of already on board, like, um, he would finish a thought before I even started to, to, I don't know, say it really. Mm -hmm. And we'd be, and, and at no point did I feel like I had to sort of justify anything. It just was, it's like when you get the right people around you, you have a workflow that you don't really need to do a whole lot of explaining. You're kind of just like, oh yeah, we're over here now. Yeah. And it's working, but that's hard sometimes. Like finding those people is definitely not easy you you sometimes i mean i kind of lucked into it i worked on a film with this guy like yeah 10 years ago as an actor and he was the cinematographer and we became friends it's so that's luck and it's much easier for me to like describe something with made up words like to <laughs> an actor or sure. a cinematographer yeah. you know what i mean how that yeah. kind of got that from what you're saying but the language and the sort of the flow that you get with the right people is 
that's, you know, how well, you get stuff yeah. done a lot of the time. I can say, you know, this shot was too, it just needs to be more squirby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I'll talk, I'll talk more in um, palette mm-hmm. language or um, musical language, mm-hmm. especially with actors. Um, the musical language with actors, the palette stuff and music with like cinematographer more. But yeah, I mean, when you have that great, when you don't, it shows a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, I um, I had this in something that worked for me, but forgot to mention it and realized it's actually way better and things of note were yeah. more appropriate. Um, I thought it was interesting how this film, it did capture a kind of a last era of film editing this certain way so it's like you have this era yeah. of filmmakers sam raimi peter jackson spike lee link later kevin smith etc 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 who are the last of the flatbed indie filmmakers you know wow, that's crazy and yeah. it's this felt you know just sort of the quality of the film itself the setting of knowing it was mid 90s mm-hmm. it was kind of neat that that's literally the the last the, the end of this era yeah. you know timeline wise yeah so it actually was a really good, appropriate time to do something that sort of does pay homage in some regard, but uh, can distant. Yeah, quite can do you it. imagine doing this film in like two thousand five? Can't. Yeah, it would be way worse. So yeah, it just brought a little <laughs> like, oh, when we're watching this guy Ed handle film things and the the really old person carrying the film who's been doing it forever, it was that, kind of that is the whole movie. Yeah, actually, exactly. In a way. <laughs> Nice, nice. I don't know, kind of commentary on that. Not commentary, but yeah, sure. You could, you could pull something from the fact that it's set in this time. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I'm gonna throw out just some uh, things of note here. Um. Uh. Blah 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 blah. The running gag. I guess this was. I should have put this in things that didn't work. But the running gag of the SWAT leader guy. The nice tie, nice bed, nice door. He says nice about everything. Nice shot at, when he gets killed at the end. Um, <clears throat> um, there are reference. So the main references. Um, obviously, Evil Dead being the title reference. Sam Campbell, the movie producer is i think a nod to bruce campbell um and sam raimi um the uh, what we talked about the 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 deadite chase camera thing yeah obvious um when his wife is in the closet that's shot exactly like halloween oh. um through the slats yeah. all of that stuff uh, the I'm coming to get you, Barbara reference, oh, the God. don't you fucking look at me, which I had to look up. I was like, what is that Blue from? Velvet. It's from Blue Velvet. Um, you know, dumb shit like the SWAT and Ed standing off at the end is sort of a they, they do a little like do 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 sort of attempt that's really wonky and shitty for uh, good, bad, and ugly. It's just like all those things like you're saying, like they make you kind of cringe. It makes, Unfortunately, it makes me feel but... uncomfortable like it's, <laughs> as, as if I'm just sort of like drowning in insincerity. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's, it's cheap. Well, what I thought it's like it, this is an example of it's stretching too thin the limitations of what even works as parody. Like all of that. And, and, and I guess what, what I think is interesting is are there certain types of films that are so sort of their own like bottom of the trough kind of 
films. Yeah. Like Zombievers. Right, like Zombiever. But you wouldn't... So you, would you do a spoof of Zombievers, you know? <laughs> it's, that, it's That's a funny idea. You no, know, but that's... And it would be shit, but Right, like, that's what this film felt like yeah, to me. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. It's like you don't spoof Zombievers. Right. And like uh, the sort of like the Russ Meyer films, like those feel like they're so just their own kind of homaging and their own unique spirit things. Like that's yeah. a good example of maybe you could just get by sort of spoof homaging it, but I don't think so. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, maybe in the hands of some fucking crazy. I want to see like, Quentin Tarantino genius. Russ Meyer movie. You know, sure. I that. <laughs> but then that becomes his own. That's a different case. What Tarantino yeah. does is he translates what he loves in old films for modern sensibilities. Yeah. What were we saying the other day we would love to see Tarantino do? A horror film. Oh, a giallo, was it? Giallo? Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fuck, that'd be crazy. Mm-hmm. That'd be really good. Holy shit. Oh, well. Um, I mean, we did it. We watched it. <laughs> Who recommended this? This was a uh, uh, Instagrammer. That I follow on our, yeah, our yeah, horror yeah. channel. Um, yep. We'll look it up and maybe say his name when we'll, we figure we'll it say, out. We'll let him know. <laughs> we didn't like his name's the horror doctor. We said it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We said it last week. Um, I, well, I got to look for the specific post, what he said about it again. I mean, I think it's more, this is the disparity I'm picking up on, Twim, between us and a lot of these horror Instagrammers is we don't profess to have this sort of complete utter knowledge of horror like these people do no but you know? but i've also I, I yeah there's this weird thing and i just it's i'm not this person mm -hmm. but i find a lot of the 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 people who are self-identified as like hardcore horror fans really seem to love the the uh the very, very cultish stuff, like stuff that like I would never in a million years fucking know even existed. Right. And I'm not sure what that speaks to. Well, like, I think why it's... do they love that versus and do yeah. they not love, quote unquote, mainstream stuff? I think there's they love the mainstream stuff, too. Like and when I say mainstream, I, I'm, I'm talking about stuff that we generally More don't know like either horror films. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. There's a weird thing. It it's feels like... like when it's evil that you, you say what it's about, you say the moments it are, and you go, oh, that sounds cool that this movie exists. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you have such, you know, as you said, deep, hardcore love of horror films, that's enough for you. Yeah. Just to go to be able to watch this film, have it be about an editor who goes crazy and has these, you know, scattered good, you know, moments then that's, you are essentially getting that still. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I just think it's interesting how, I don't know. I wonder if if the, if the there's a novelty aspect to it mm -hmm. as well. Of just the, yeah, 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 lesser known films. You yes. want them to yeah. be. Well, you know what? I can kind of agree with, you know, even if we didn't like it like he did, it, it's helpful to have as part of the conversation as this conversation. Oh, no, I totally, I'm, I'm, I'm welcome proves. to it because I, like I said, I would never find this shit yeah. on my own. I just wouldn't. <laughs> um, but you know, watching it is, I think it's fairly enlightening. But for all we knew too, sitting down, I, I, why I put it there isn't because it was obscure. I put it there because I hoped it would be great. 
Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I always hope. I always right. Hope that <laughs> so stuff it, to, is to good. clarify a position there, you know, if yeah. we've been getting critiques of doing obscure things, it's like, no, well, we're looking for good things and how do we know what it is unless we watch it? Right. Like, I would never have known that Tatsuo existed. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I definitely would never have watched it. Like, why, I don't know where that would have come into my life. That but, was a great one. But that movie it blew my fucking mind. And I'm yeah. so glad. I've now got that in my, you know, catalog of things. So the uh, last thing of note that I had was, do you remember where we left off last time in my own internal struggle of, am I getting oversaturated with violence and horror? <laughs> yes. Uh, talking about the uh, serendipity and magic of the hat pull, deciding our next film and see how it's mm -hmm. um, pulling strings for us. Well, I thought it was pretty noteworthy that we watch a film that's essentially about someone who's becoming uh, oversaturated with horror and violence, just as I'm complaining, are I going through the same thing? How the fuck does the hat know? <laughs> the hat knows. Right. It's freaky. It's like uh, tarot cards pulling from fuck, the hat. Dude. You know? It lends its, it, it um, allows us to put a narrative hang on, to hang what on. we're doing. I got to move around my crystals. There we go. Here we oh, around the hat. Yeah, right. We hat. have the hat in an altar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm burn. Let me smudge the room. Get the hat. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't know where I'm at now with it all. I felt like this could have been a good palate cleanser in a way of a kind of because I want to see a good one again. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thought. Like, I'm. Yeah, what is like what? What would satisfy us right now? Yeah, well, it's funny because this, I love stupid, but not stupid, <laughs> stupid. Right. This was stupid, stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I just want to go watch Evil Dead 2. Right. I wanted to actually re, I had not wanted to revisit Bad Taste and Dead Alive until now. God, I haven't seen Dead Alive in like, fuck. Yeah. 15, I've never 20 seen. years, maybe? Meet the Feebles. I have. <laughs> Holy shit. A long time ago. Yeah. Did you see his mockumentary? What was it about um, the early New Zealand filmmaker that like was the first one to invent color film? <laughs> no. Sil golden, silver, something silver. Anyway, huh. that was pretty funny. Cool. Well, um, shall we? Yeah, let's move on. Recommending. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So... <laughs> I'm going to star, put a little asterisk next to this recommendation because I didn't finish it. Okay. But I I will. And it, it's got some fucking <laughs> like amazing shit in it, especially based on what we've watched. It's, and it's, it came up because, um, because of what we've watched on Amazon prime, it came up as like, because you watched, um, planet of the vampires uh watch this it's called um galaxy of terror mm -hmm. and it is like mid 80s i think and it is it is <sighs> you described it as between alien and planet of the vampires that's right yeah it's it's taking both of those things which obviously both of those came before it uh and trying to do its own thing with it and it's it's got a little dark star vibe to it um it's got some low budget shit but there <laughs> there are a few scenes in it that are fucking 
hilarious. I walked in for one of them and it made me want to watch the whole film. Dude. But it also has some some real like why and a good is cast, this movie still too, going? Right? It does have a cool cast. It's got uh the guy from My Favorite Martian. Yeah. Um the woman from uh what was she from? It doesn't matter. You'll had, see. Uh Robert England. Yeah, yeah, it's got fucking Freddy Krueger. <laughs> so it's cool. It's it's goofy and homagey, but I think it's actually trying to do its own thing with it in a fun in a fun way. Like it's it's got like puppet monster stuff going on because they had budget limitations, but they're like, fuck it, we still want things with tentacles, so let's just build them. And what is this called again? Galaxy of Terror. It's fucking. It's fun. I um. <laughs> I need to rebuild my list here. I like to have more kind of horror-related recommendations for you and all. But uh, just pulling from other things that satisfied me watching recently, well, Joe Dante, the filmmaker, was a big, big influence on me. Uh, He was the first filmmaker when I was a kid that I put together, oh, wait, these are the same, this is the same filmmaker. Mm. This is the same person. Gremlins, The Explorers, and then this one I watched... Uh, inner space it was that that was one Mm. i had given a a big life break to revisiting kind of maybe afraid it wasn't gonna hold up and then our our good buddy max was like when's the last time you've watched this i said it's been since i was a kid he said well (laughs) you should just watch it because it's like a film that he and i made or you know you see it's in the same kind of i don't know what we were trying to do anyways it it held up i remember i watched it probably about a year ago and it it was just so it was reassuring and made me feel warm inside that as an adult, it still uh, had a magic to it in her space. Dude, that face changing scene yeah. is one of the greatest things ever. When they're shrinking and like riding in the car <laughs> and it has that so talk about UHF. Maybe that's why I thought of it. Yeah. Kevin McCarthy from UHF yeah. and invasion of the body snatchers. Oh my God. It. So good. <laughs> it is so good. That's a fucking great one. I think I rewatched that. Like, I don't know three or so years ago yeah. it was like on netflix any or martin short movie that's a good movie too yeah. um yeah you know i have a connection to dennis quaid really in a weird i mean not really but sort of so when i i was born in bloomington indiana which is where the movie breaking away was filmed which was mm-hmm. one of dennis quaid's first movies if not his first i don't think it was his first but he was 18 or something like that um but i was a baby and they asked for in town to shoot the scenes with like a crowd in the stands of this bicycle race. They asked for locals to just come by. My mom was like, well, I'm, I've got two kids. I'm just hanging out with them. Like, why don't I take them and we'll sit in the stands and watch this movie getting made. So I'm in it in so far as like, I'm a little smudge of white in my mom's arms and you can barely even make out that it's her. Mm-hmm. But 1980 i think 80 it was filmed wow my first movie with dennis quaid <laughs> called what breaking away it is a fantastic movie it's let's, not my uh, recommendation but it's i love that movie you're trying to pull from the hat let's <gasps> what are we watching next week tim we are watching this one get out of here here we go <gasps> well i dropped it back in does that mean i don't get to read it <laughs> You don't Shit. know what it was? <laughs> Shoot, Tim. Okay. Is that a different one? Yeah. Okay. Dead and Buried, 1981. 
dead and buried 1981. Great. Ooh, I don't ooh, know about ooh, it. Ooh, I don't know ooh, how ooh. it's there. We don't have to look anything up now. I think I put that it. in there. I think it was on a list. Great. Well, cool, dude. You can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. I am Ryan McDuffie. My Instagram is Mayor McDuffie. My Twitter is at Ryan McDuffie. And my portfolio website is ryanmcduffie.com. That's with an I-E, not a Y at the end of McDuffie. <laughs> and uh, we're also on Instagram at dismemberinghorror and Twitter at dishorrorpod. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram under Tim Aslan. That's my name. Great. So thanks for joining us. Keep watching those horror films. I hope you have a friend to watch them with. and Keep sending us possible films that you'd like us to watch. Submit. We'll throw them in the hat. Submit. We're going to yeah. put them in the hat, and that's uh, what we hope to do. We, we hope you want to hear us talk about them, and the ones that you want to hear us talk about, we'll watch. And also, real quick, last thing, I think we need to go to the theater and see a movie. It's been a while. Yeah, so Us is about to come out. Let's do you want to do us. that? Let's put that on our schedule. So we'll, when we, I think it's in a couple weeks it comes out. So the week before it comes out, when we record, we'll not pull from the hat. Yeah. And we'll say, that's what we're going to we'll see. We'll talk about it on an off air and figure yeah. out how to schedule it. So get ready though. That'll come up soon. Yeah. Let's see us. It's one to be excited yeah! about. I am excited about us. Me too. Well, until next time. Thank you. Go watch Dead and Buried. See you next week. Ha, 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 ha.